The text for the sermon this day is taken from that reading from Matthew, as well as some of the familiar texts from Luke 2. You may be seated. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If any of you have a, are a father or have gotten married, if you're a good father or good husband, you know that fear that happens. When you're about to get married or you got, get married, you realize that suddenly you have a very daunting task. You have the task of protecting and providing for this person that you married. I don't know if you know this, but in Ephesians 5, when Paul says that women are to submit to their husbands, what it means is that wives are supposed to allow their husbands to die for them. That's what submission means. It's a military term. So in other words, if danger comes your way, you are to allow your husband to stand in the way of danger that you may live. That's submission. It does not mean that the husband gets whatever he wants. In fact, it means more often than not, he doesn't get what he wants. <laughs> but that is the job of a husband and eventually a father is to protect the family. Not because women are weak, because we don't protect things just because they're weak. If you don't believe me, I have not seen too many campaigns to save the mosquitoes. But all it takes is one swat and that mosquito's dead. It's weak, but nobody's trying to protect it, as far as I know, because mosquitoes are usually just annoying. We don't value them that much. However, you see things like a, if you, somebody has $1,000 lying around, they're going to make sure it's in a safe or something like that. That is very easy. All you have to do is take a lighter and it's done for. Why do we protect it? Because it's valuable. We don't protect things that are weak. We protect things that are valuable. To say that the husband's job is to protect his wife is to actually admit that the wife is more valuable than him. That's what it actually that's what submission means. It actually means the wife is more important than the husband. It means that the husband can die before the wife does. So I bring that up because Joseph. The father of Jesus has that very same task. He has the task of caring for this woman Mary and the child that is in her womb. Joseph is probably 18 or 19 years old. So think of your average senior in high school or freshman in college. Mary is probably anywhere from 13 to 15 years old. I know that's a weird gap, but it was a different culture then. But the thing is, is he finds out she's pregnant. When he finds out that she's pregnant, his instinct isn't to think, oh, obviously she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. 
In case you don't know, that doesn't happen very often. In fact, it happened once. So even if she told him that, he would have sat there like, you know, I'll admit that was an original one. I wouldn't have thought of it, but that's a good one. Because nothing she could have said would have convinced him. And none of us would have been convinced either. Because it doesn't happen. The thing that convinced him was the visit of the angel. To tell him that that child is from the Holy Spirit. That that child is the savior of the world. Now I think every parent, when they have a child realizes the pressure they have of raising that child. Making sure that they contribute to the society and the pressure you have to protect them and ensure that they grow up. In fact, this is, I don't know if you know this, but this is actually why traditionally there is a giving away of the bride at weddings. Is because that is the, that is the why, husband, the Mother and father saying to the groom that all these years it has been our job to protect this girl. Now we are entrusting her to you. Which is why, if a, that's why boy, if we don't have many young boys around here, but if you know of any young boys, tell them to make sure to get permission to get married from the mother and father before proposing. Because to not do that is to dishonor the fact that they are their parents. If they don't get permission, girls over there, that's your, that's your, that tells you, say no. <laughs> Tell them, go ask my mom and dad, then you can come back. <laughs> so I know that's, scary, that's a scary thing to do, but still. But that is, but so you're worried about, you're thinking about the protection of those kids. Imagine being Joseph and realizing that your child is the savior of the entire world. No pressure. And then the government, because it likes to do this, makes things more difficult. They tell him that they say that there's a census that requires everyone to go to the home of their ancestry, which required Joseph to take this pregnant woman from Nazareth to Bethlehem. To give you perspective, that would be like going from here to Omaha, except not by car, but by donkey. And remember, it's a pregnant woman, and it would be during the rainy seasons and that means they have to cross rivers, not on bridges. They have to go right through the, river, the shallow part of the river and hope that the current isn't too strong. Which I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, The uh, Nativity Story. It actually does a pretty good job of showing how treacherous that journey was from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And so they have to make that journey. And he gets there. And things are made even more complicated. One of the things that people don't realize is it says, we sometimes think there's a mean old innkeeper, that there's no room in the inn. The actual better translation is there's no room in the guest room. What it means is that Joseph's 
cousins did not give up the guest room for the pregnant woman. It actually makes the no room in the inn actually a lot worse than we realize. It's one thing when strangers tell you we don't have space. It's a whole lot worse when you realize it's family that told you we don't have space. Remember, Joseph's going to Bethlehem because that's the place of his family. That's why he's going there. And so to send them to where the manger is would be like telling somebody who's pregnant, oh, sorry, we, we had the guest room's taken. You could go sleep in the garage. Except for it's not a heated garage. You could go sleep on the floor. That's basically what his family did. And yet he endured that. And then a few years later, the Magi would show up in this really cool moment where these Magi come and worship and adore their newborn child. Well, kind of newborn child at this point. And a little bit later, they find out that Herod is going to hunt down Jesus. He's trying to kill him. Now, again, to give you perspective of how far Bethlehem is from Jerusalem... It would be like going from here to Battle Creek. How long do you think it's going to take to get from by horse from Battle Creek to here? Pretty quick, isn't it? Even by horse, it's not that far away. That is what was the situation, which meant that Joseph did not have time. Oh, he's coming in a few days. We could take our time. No, they had to get everything ready. It was basically, get what you can take and get out. They probably left a whole bunch of stuff behind to make sure that they were not caught by Herod's soldiers. And so he's forced to go to Egypt. Again, that'd be like traveling from here to Kansas City. And then they'd be moving back to Bethlehem only to find out that that's not a good choice and going over to Nazareth. Which, so in case you did not notice, this is a very trying time that Joseph has. And you know what you never find in anywhere in the Gospels? You don't hear Joseph say, why me? I don't want to do this. You don't hear him complaining. He considers divorcing Mary, but that's only because at that point he thought she cheated on him. And there he was actually going to be nice. He was going to do it quietly when he had every legal right to stone her to death. When he found out what was going on, he doesn't complain. He just does it. He goes through. He follows every command that comes his way. No question. And I believe that's why Joseph is such a wonderful person to think of. The reason we talk about the, the heroes of the faith is because one is that we realize that they're real humans. Joseph is a real, was a real flesh and blood human being who had real stresses, difficulties just like you and I. And so he had, and the challenges that came his way were extraordinary. And so as we see this, we see 
how God worked in the life of Joseph as a model of how he works in our lives. I mean, first off, there is the model of parenting. There's a reality that Joseph is raising Jesus, but it's very likely that he will never, actually we know from history, he didn't get to see Jesus be even baptized. He didn't see any of Jesus' ministry. He never got to see the payoff for this. Which means the same for parents. Never should be asking, what do I get out of raising this kid? So much stress, so much difficulties. What do I get out of it? The very real, real reality is that parents may never see their children go to the fruition of what they're destined to do. Just as it was with Joseph. And yet he served. But even more than that message, that reality, why did Joseph never complain? Because while Joseph was protecting Jesus and Mary, which, by the way, that's a really mind-splitting thought to realize. Think about it. Joseph is protecting Jesus, who is God. That should just cause your brain to go boom if you think on it too long. But while Joseph was doing that, he knows that God the Father is protecting him. See, Herod had his ideas of how he was going to kill Jesus. He had his idea as to how Jesus was going to die and when he was going to die. But even though he was the king of Judea, he had no authority. He was not the one in control. The one in control is the one who has been in control from the very beginning. The one who said to Adam and Eve, that their offspring would crush the serpent's head. The one who in our Old Testament reading told David that his offspring would have an everlasting kingdom that would have no end. The very same one who did all those prophecies in the Old Testament were and fulfilled them. And that child born through Mary is the one in control of Joseph's time. And he's the one that's in control of your life. When life is chaotic, whether it be that you find you get bad news from a doctor, whether it be the bills do not look friendly, whether it be the fun news that we get to hear about our politicians every day, whatever it may be that gives us chaos and gives us stress, God is in control. Because, and what that means, and the God that has control is the one who made sure that his son did not die by Herod's hand, but rather died there. Pilate thought he was in control. The crowds thought they were in control. But they weren't really. None of it could have happened if God the Father didn't let it happen. 
And in the most evil moment in history, the one moment in history where you could say an innocent person or a good person had a bad thing happen to him, it's the only time in the history of the world we ask, why do bad things happen to good people? The problem with that question is there is no such thing as good people. That's why Jesus died on the cross because he is the only good person in the entire history of the world. And he suffered an excruciatingly painful death. And by that evil thing, the whole world has life. So when bad things happen to us, when the world beats us down, when challenges come, we look at the God who through the death of his son brought us salvation. And we know that that's how he loved us while we were still sinners, while we were bad people. God shows his love for us by having his son die for us. That God is the one that's in control of your life. That's the God that's in control of Joseph's life. And because that God's in control of your life, you have nothing to fear. Because no matter how, the worst that could ever happen to a Christian is one day you could die and you would be with Jesus in eternity. But in case you don't know, that's awesome. There's nothing the world can do to us that compares with the glory that God has prepared for us because of what Jesus did on the cross. Till that day comes, to him be all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. At this time, we continue with the gathering of our offerings.